Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Oh, you know what's coming. All right. I'm going to talk to you some uh, pretty serious stuff here today. Uh, my grandfather, at age four, taught me how he lost his thumb. He looked like that. And he said, well, he came over from Germany on the boat, and he said, well, I was in the war. And he said, uh, in the war, we were short on food and stuff. So he said, I was so hungry one night, I just ate my thumb. I, I believed him. <laughs> but uh, I remember uh, when my grandfather passed away. And I remember I was about four or five years old, and I was sitting, in fact, down there about the second row, and I was just wailing, just crying. I, and to this day, I got to thinking, well, why, why did I cry so hard, and why did I wail and weep and moan and all that kind of stuff at that, uh, at that age? And I hadn't seen my grandfather that much, really. But uh, there's just something about having a loss that causes us to grieve and causes us to mourn. Uh, my mother passed away. It was it was a tough time, and my father passed away. And my father passed away. All my siblings said, uh, "I'm I'm up to preach the funeral." That was a tough one. Uh, recently, my brother went home to be with the Lord a few months, uh, maybe two or three years ago now. But uh, on the way to, to Seattle, as soon as I got there, they said, "Well, you're preaching the sermon." Well, that was tough, and I was in the in the middle of mourning and all of this kind of stuff. My brother-in-law passed away called me out there to, to California to do part of the, the funeral out there. Just recently, uh, you've probably seen on our Facebook that my great-niece passed away at 19 years old. That was, that was a really tough one. And uh, I've just lost a lot of my long-life friends. And uh, is anybody in that position yet where you read the obituaries? <laughs> Are you to the point yet where you don't read all the small print, you just look at the dates? <laughs> Anybody that far along? So, uh, but you know, when we lose somebody, uh, it's it's a very difficult time. And I can remember I have uh, several very very dear friends over the years that I could expect a call from them. Kid I went to school with in sixth grade, and a friend I played golf with for almost forty years. And uh, I miss those phone calls that I used to get once a week or so, and we would talk. And uh, I know the. The uh, loss of a child is probably one of the most difficult things. I haven't had to experience that. I don't ever want to. And a grandchild, um, I can't imagine it. The devastation of losing a grandchild is just uh, beyond belief. Uh, loved ones uh, comes to us from many different sources. And uh, they pass away and they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. A lot of different things. Accidents uh, cause uh, death, disease, cancer, heart trouble, diabetes, Alzheimer's, pneumonia. One of our former pastors here in Excelsior Springs that pastored this church, his son committed suicide. And uh, two of my pastor friends, one of them hung himself and uh, another one committed suicide. I don't even know how, that, how he did it. Uh, miscarriage, you know, there's just something about a miscarriage that's it just, uh, or a stillbirth or something like that that causes us to mourn and causes us to grieve loss of these things. And there's the death of relationships. 
where someone you been, had a been, been a friend with them for years and years and years, and all of a sudden they desert you? Like, you know, what's up with this? I don't get it. Divorce, uh, separation, how, how, how we grieve over these things, we mourn over these things. And uh, all of these things create a boiling pot for grieving and mourning. And uh, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do you ever have any uh, grieving or mourning that just goes on in your heart? Raise up your hand and say, yeah, you know, I, I kind of struggle with that. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that day, about that today. And uh, we all have different time spans in which we mourn. Uh, you know, my grandfather, that's, that's been over 70-some years ago already, and I'm thinking, you know, why would I bring that up all of a sudden and think about my grandfather? Why all of a sudden, after several years, my brother passed away, would I be driving down the highway, and all of a sudden, I just start uh, weeping? Or, you know, our, our mourning and our, our, our time is uh, not necessarily a bad thing, uh, but sometimes it's bad if we're mourning the wrong things. There are things that we need not mourn, and there are things we need to mourn. Uh, and uh, so we need to possibly mourn the loss of a, a loved one, and we remember them and we think about them. And years back, you know, uh, it, it's just I, I remember all of the wonderful times, and then, bam, it's all gone. Uh, but we, we need to remember that when we think about our loved ones or situations that have happened like that, those are precious memories, Sometimes we tag them as mourning, but really they're precious memories in a lot of ways. And, and we hold on to that and we hold on to it. And it's a good thing to think about those that have gone on before us and uh, precious memories for the person. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And so this morning, we understand that everybody's time frame is different. Some people mourn, grieve longer. Uh, than others, and sometimes it's a short span. Uh, sometimes we set ourselves as uh, the strong person, and some people say, well, aren't, don't you have a heart? Yeah, we have a heart. Uh, just because we mourn maybe in a different way doesn't mean we're not mourning. Can you say amen to that? And so uh, uh, if, if we come to this thought pattern, and really, this is, was given to me to tell you about this in the middle of the night. The Lord gave me this. Don't grieve the issue. When we grieve the issue, that's where mourning and grieving takes us down a wrong path. You know, when we think about a loved one, it, so they got cancer in the last year. My mother was four months. They, she was diagnosed and went in for a little surgery, and they said, Dar said, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, you don't have long to live on there. Four months later, she went home to be with the Lord. Well, we, we mourn the mother, but we grieve. And grieving comes from mourning the issue as opposed to the person. Like, for example, if somebody takes their own life to suicide or something, isn't it interesting that rather than focus on a good life and everything that they've done, we focus on the issue of the suicide. And so I'm going to encourage you today that the, the issue, the cancer, 
My mother died of cancer. My father died of a heart attack. My brother died of a heart attack. I had one and lived. <laughs> Isn't that good? The worst part about that, my wife had to stay at the hospital with me for over a week. I don't know how long she was there. She never left your side. So, yeah, I appreciate that. But if you focus on the cancer or the suicide or the divorce or the miscarriage or the stillbirth or the loss of a loved one, if you're focusing on the issue, your mourning will turn into grieving. And you can't get, your precious memories are kind of lost in the shuffle. And so I would like to call the divorce or the miscarriage or the, the death of a, a brother or a mother or a sister or a spouse or a grandchild or something like that. Let's see the issue of the accident as a bygone and the person as a precious memory. Can you do that with me? And I think if we discover this, in, if we mourn the loss as a precious memory and let the issue go, it will take you into a process that will get you well on your way to receiving a special gift that Jesus has in store for every one of us, and it's Isaiah 61.3. He says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Notice that which should be a bygone and which should be a precious memory. I got to get this into your head here. I, I, please let me know if you're understanding what I'm saying. We, we mourn the loss of the loved one, but we get in trouble if we grieve the issue of the loss. Oh, it had a terrible car accident. No. Yes, that happened. That's the issue. Oh, they contacted cancer, and they went down the hill and down, 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 and then they were gone. Oh, we started out a happy life, and everything was fine, and all of a sudden, our marriage just uh, went to somewhere in a handbasket, wherever that they go, and, and it's just like, what in the world? Don't mourn the divorce. Don't grieve over the divorce. It, you know, yes, the loss of the person is there. Hello. Gives you some sanity and sets you up for the fact that there is beauty for ashes. There is beauty for ashes. When I think about my brother. Yeah, I miss him terribly. i just be honest with you. I miss him terribly. When I heard my brother passed away, I, I, I about lost it. You know, physically, it just about did me in. My little brother went home to be with the Lord. You know, he was my younger, my kid brother, the kid that when we went down the street and we were uh, delivering newspapers and uh, I was, all of a sudden, a big dog come running out of the bushes and I took off running and that dog couldn't catch me. But I turned around and he was catching my brother, my little brother. And I remember that day I turned around and beat the tar out of that old dog. <laughs> huh? Hello. Yeah. Yeah, and the Lord has in store a healing process for mourning, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. 
And God wants to bring us to Psalms 30 and verse 11 in these issues. You can write that verse down, Psalms 30 and verse 11, where we can stand up and say, truly, thou hast turned my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. See, that's what God wants to do. He wants to turn our mourning into dancing and our grieving into joy, spirit of heaviness to be gone. So I I pastored a a church of uh, a bunch of crazy people once, uh, twice, three times, four times. Everybody that goes to my church are usually half nuts. Hello. Pat yourself on the back. Say, I'm glad I'm in this church. This is where I belong. <laughs> now, anyhow. But we, uh, we had uh, tambourines. I wish, you know, yeah, you know the tambourines. I had them sitting all over the place. Jewish. Uh, Jewish. Uh, they weren't Jewish people, but they were Jewish uh, religionists. And they, you know, so I'd start singing a song, and here they'd get up and do a Jericho march. You know, they're going all around and got their hands up, and they're doing the hallelujah jubile and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going, yeah, that's the way church ought to be, you know, kind of like uh, crazy. And uh, this song they brought into my church, we used to sing, Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth. Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing for me. And girded me with gladness to the end, my glory may sing praise unto thee and not be silent. Oh Lord, my God, I will sing praise unto you forever. Thou hast turned my morning into dancing. For- so, woo! That's good stuff, you know. And then, of course, the old stick in the mud says, well, that wasn't in a hymn book. No, it's on the wall. Well, jeez. But God told me to give you this message this morning before I preach that many of you this morning may be suffering with mourning. Maybe your mind and your heart is incarcerated with the issue. Oh, they had asthma. Oh, they had a heart attack. Oh, they had cancer. Oh, they had an accident. Oh, we had a divorce. Oh, oh, had a miscarriage. Oh, that's stillbirth. Hello. We are to have precious memories of our loved ones, and we need to ignore and do away with the issues of our heart and our mind so that God can take those precious memories and let them be what they're meant to be, and that is love one for another. Hello, church. Now, I'm going to ask you today to do something for me before I go into the rest of this message. God told me to pray for you to set you free from the spirit of mourning. Turn your uh, ashes into glory and your, uh, and your uh, mourning in the oil of joy. And I'm going to ask you, if you're having issues with any of this stuff 
that I've talked about today. I want you to stand up and I'm going to pray for you today right now and I'm going to rebuke that spirit of, of, of issue and that will turn your morning into joy and gladness and precious memories, hello, and set you free from that which has got you bound up. If you have issues with that this morning, I want you to stand up because I'm going to pray for you right now that God will set you free to be able to go in the right direction over your losses. Would you stand if you have an issue like that? And I want to pray for you. Heaven, just as if you got somebody standing around, I want you to just point your hands out to them and let's begin to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you sent me here this morning and told me to tell these people this message. Stop grieving the issue. Stop grieving the issue. Stop grieving the issue. That's a bondage. That's a heaviness. And that's a weight that does so easily beset us. Lord, we just will not speak those words anymore. And we will recall the precious memories and the moments, Lord. And we ask you in the name of Jesus to set people free. Yes, they may have committed suicide. But no, we will not uh, go on that issue. Yes, they may have killed, hung themselves. They may, whatever they might have done, but yes, they are precious in your sight and they are precious in our sight. Yes, we may have had a miscarriage, but there it's precious. Yes, we may have had a divorce, but it was precious. Yes, we had someone that passed away with cancer or heart attack or, or Alzheimer's, uh, but that's the issue. And we put that behind us, Lord, and we thank you for the blessings that we've had with those people in our lives. Set these people free into mourning with, with purpose, in a mourning with a cause, in mourning with a purpose to bring light in darkness and uh, the spirit of uh, joy for the spirit of heaviness. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And would you give the Lord a big hand clap for that this morning? You can be seated. I'm going to call those issues bygones. Perry Como said, let bygones be bygones forever. So the issues are the bygones, the people. We went very quickly, we went through the book of Mark. We're in chapter 16, and it's hard to imagine that a book of the Gospels that was written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was written all about the wonderful things that Jesus did. He laid hands on the sick, and they recovered, and the healing of the blind, and, and, and raised the dead, and all of these things. It's hard to imagine that we come to verse chapter 14, 15, and 16, and we begin to talk about the crucifixion. It's hard to imagine the devastation of the crucifixion, false accusations against Jesus. He said he came into his own, he only received him not. That's some kind of a rejection that you can't hardly uh, put a name on. The whipping post, oh my God, the cat of nine tails beat him so you couldn't even hardly recognize who he was. The crown of thorns that uh, was pressed down upon his head, the carrying of his own cross up the Via Della Rosa, the nails that were driven through his hands and in his feet, the pain that he felt as the cross was dropped into the hole to upright it, the spear that was pierced into his side, the agony of his father turning his back on him. He said, by God, why hast thou forsaken me? And I can't imagine the horror in the air as Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and said, can I have the body of Jesus? And he took his body over his shoulder down off of that cross and carried him to the tomb. How must 
awful it must have been for the women of Galilee following the procession. Jesus, his mother, was there. Salome, the Mary Magdalene, the woman that had been, the devils had been cast out of, finding their way to the tomb. must have been a horrible event. It's hard to imagine the brokenheartedness as they observed the tomb. They saw them lay his precious body there and roll the stone in front of the opening and how devastating it must have been as they returned to Jerusalem to prepare the spices and the fragments, oils to honor the life of the Messiah. As the sun was sinking into the sunset, they couldn't even uh, put the ointments on him because it was the Sabbath. And so they had to wait. I can't imagine how horrible it was to wait that night and that evening and that day waiting for the Sabbath to be gone so that they could get up early the first day of the week and go to the tomb and anoint Jesus. Mark chapter 16 and verse 6 Verses 1 through 6, Brandon preached about this last week. And he said, In the morning when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, Salome, brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened. And he said unto them, Don't be frightened. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they have laid him. Hallelujah. Ha. So what was the first thing that Jesus did after he rose from the dead? Mark chapter 16, verse 9 is my passage of Scripture that I'm preaching on today. When Jesus was risen early the first day of the week. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils, Mark chapter 16, verse 9. And verse 10 says, And she went and told the disciples that had been with him as they mourned and wept, and, and they were grieving. And when they had heard that he was alive and he had seen her, they didn't believe it. They were in the process, this mourning process, the crucifixion. The crown of thorns, the spear, that's all they could focus on was the issues. They couldn't see things as precious memories as it really was. Luke 24, verse 11, put it this way, and the women's words seemed to them like idle tales, and they didn't even believe anything that Mary and Mary and Salome and, and the women had said. They just didn't believe them. And verse number 12, there was a young man sitting there the name of Peter, and uh, Peter said, say that again, and said, he's not there, he's, he's risen. And, and Peter kind of shook himself, and he got up and he ran to the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen claws laid by themselves. And Peter departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Could it really be? Is that what really happened? Did somebody steal? Peter, Luke chapter 24, and verse 13, and behold, two of the disciples went that same day from Jerusalem, went to a village called Emmaus. And uh, that was from Jerusalem, about seven miles. We went on a seven-mile walk. And uh, they were talking on the, what's known as the road to Emmaus. And uh, they were talking about what happened. It came to pass that while they were communing together and reason, Jesus, the risen Savior, showed himself. <laughs> Can you imagine these doofuses going down there, uh, mourning and grieving over the issues and all that good stuff? And and they're walking along. Once it was two, now it's three. Ah, that's cool. And so Jesus, but they didn't know who he was, just thought he was some who knows what, walking along. Two of them on the road to Mass began to tell this Jesus. 
whom they didn't recognize, the entire story of the awful crucifixion, the spear and all of those things. They reviewed all the issues and suffering and all that that had taken place. And they told him of the bravery of Joseph of Arimathea, how Joseph had taken him down off the cross, put him in his very own tomb. How about gruesome it was taking the beaten body down off the cross, blood everywhere all over his neck and his back. And and they, they went on and told them the story of how the women came on the first day of the week to anoint his body according to the traditions of the scripture and discovered that his body had been stolen. In Luke chapter 24, then Jesus began talking to them about the scriptures. And he said unto them, O fools, slow of heart to believe. Slow of heart to believe. Look it. Put that into your grieving process. Slow of heart to believe. Oh, what does the scripture say? To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. But what about the slow of heart to believe? What about it was an accident? It was slow of heart to believe. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord immediately into his presence. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me shall never die. See what I'm saying? So they're going down the road of Emmaus, and they're thinking about the issues, and Jesus said, let's look past the issues. And don't you remember what all the prophets have spoken about his crucifixion and and, uh, and he would be the light, and on the third day he would be risen, and all those things. Have you, don't you remember? You're talking to these two disciples. And the, all of the things that the prophets have spoken, Jesus told him, Shouldn't Christ have suffered these things and to enter into his glory, according to the scriptures? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures of things concerning him. Can't you just see him kind of moping on the road of Emmaus talking about this stuff? And here's this encourager. <laughs> did you ever get in a position of mourning where you just did not want an encourager? Did you ever get so wrapped up in self-pity and mourning and what it should have been and what it could have been and, you know, just don't talk good stuff to me. You ever been like that? That's the kind of path that'll take you to a bedroom with a handful of pills and make you lay down for four days and try to get over it. The issues. So as they drew nigh the village, he talked about them, all the things concerning the scriptures about himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, verse 28, where they went, and he made as though he was going to go further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came, look at this, in verse number 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took the bread, and he blessed it, and break it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of sight. I want to tell you something. We're getting ready next Sunday to begin and launch into a revival. The beginning of the first of this year, we went on a 21-day fast, and people, many, most 
not everybody, but we all had somewhat of an input into the fast of some kind. And there's something that takes place. You see things as they really are instead of the way the world or the enemy of your soul or Satan wants you to see them when you get into the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. It takes you out of the flesh into the spirit. You see, it was when they set down a communion with Jesus that their eyes were beginning to open and they begin to see the light of the truth of the resurrection. And so this is all about the resurrection, but the focus for most is about the crucifixion. And when we get that into our head, into our mind, we'll understand a whole lot of things. And So my question this morning is this. Why didn't anybody recognize the resurrected Jesus? Why didn't anybody recognize him? Were they so in the dark concerning all of the many prophecies concerning the resurrection of the Savior? All of these things have been written in the scriptures all the way back to Moses and all the prophets. Why didn't they get a living grip with all of the scriptures and things concerning him that every one of them knew and had memorized and had rehearsed over and over again in times past. Why didn't they get it? And I believe the two men in white apparel, the two angels of the Lord said it in a nutshell. And God spoke this to me last week. When I was driving down the highway and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I started grieving. And the Lord was setting me up for this sermon. I didn't know this scripture was in here in this passage that I was going to preach today until I got studying on it and I began to grieve The fact that one of the greatest things in nearly 35 years has happened to my son Jonathan and his wife Jessica, that one of the greatest things that could ever happen to him just happened right before our very eyes. And rather than rejoice, my spirit wanted to grieve. And I'm going down the highway, tears go. I've already dealt with this. I don't grieve this. I rejoice. I rejoice. I truly believe that the scriptures that says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. What right do I have to second guess the Lord? So I said, Lord, what is happening to me? I don't. I don't think that way. I'm the eternal optimist. I have been accused of being an eternal optimist. If I'm going to get called a name, I'll take that one any day. I am an eternal optimist. I know what it's like to go through the fire. Trust me. I've had my feet burned up to my kneecaps, so to speak. 
I know what it's like to lose the closest thing that was ever in my life. And she went home to be with the Lord. I know what it's like to be left on planet Earth raising two little children all by myself. I know what that's like. Don't tell me taking the garbage out is something to grieve over. Now I've said it. Some of the silly trash stuff that goes on in people that calls them to turn the other cheek. I don't call this the other cheek. I call this the other cheek. <laughs> what kind of things causes you to turn the other cheek? What trips your trigger? I preached a couple of weeks ago about irritations. Joy, I hope you listen to that. This is kind of right on that same thing. Satan come to try to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to take your joy. Because if he can take your joy, he can take your strength. You can be joyful in the midst of mourning. But you can't be joyful in the midst of issues. You create your own suffering by how you think. Because Jesus says it this way, whatsoever things are good and lovely and virtue, if there be any praise, if there be any uh, virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's how you're supposed to mourn. Yeah, I'm the eternal optimist, all right. Going down the road. See, one time, I remember that I got caught in a spiritual political ploy. I won't really go into details on it, but it hurt me to the core. Sometimes things happen in your spiritual life that can, you can look at the issue or you can look at this. I, I wish I'd have written it down, motivational quotes that I got this last week. talks about everything that you thought is turning bad and everything that looked around you that was nothing but negative is setting you up for the blessing that's just about to come. That's, that's a terrible rendition of the quote of that. I wish I would have written it down. thought, yeah, that's true. Isn't it interesting that when something comes the wrong way and when something happens, all we do is focus on that thing right there and we can't say, okay, Lord, then where are we going? What's next? What steps? Where, where, where are we? And I remember I got in the car and I started down the highway. I took my family to the bowling alley and I dropped them off and I said, go have some fun. I'm going to go feel sorry for myself. And I got in the car and started driving down the road and I, I was about, oh, I was coming out of Des Moines, Iowa. I was heading on the Interstate 80 out there and I got about six or eight miles outside of the road and God spoke to me a scripture and he said to me this. He said, when your father and your mother will leave you, the Lord will take you up. It wasn't talking about my physical father and mother. It was talking about the jerk and the wonderful, precious man that stabbed me in the back. I said, don't worry about that guy. 
Because when people around you, and when that happens to you and stuff like that, when, 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 you're, when your issues are through sickness and cancer and heart disease and Alzheimer's and a divorce and miscarriage and, and stillbirth and all that stuff, when all that gangs up on you, don't worry about it. The Lord will take you up. Baby, don't you feel my heartbeat? I turned around and went back on the other direction. It took me seven miles and 10 minutes of discouragement. That's all it took. And then the Spirit of God lifted me up through the Word of God and put my feet on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. And I've never mourned over that junk ever since. And I wouldn't be here today if he hadn't stabbed me. Trust me. If I'd have had my way, I, was, I wouldn't have been here today. If, thank God he stabbed me in the back. It's just like I said one time about Judas. Thank God for that Judas kiss. Because it brought salvation to you. That's what happened. That's what it did. And so as I was driving down the road, and I was kind of, uh, well, not just kind of, I was really getting upset and worked up about this. And uh, God spoke to me, and he said, Why seek you the living among the dead? I said, Say what? He said, Why seek you the living among the dead? Say what? So that's yesterday. Yesterday's dead and gone. Why are, you, why are you trying to get some kind of joy or some kind of satisfaction over that which was yesterday? Are you going to sit and waller in that from now on and seek the living among the dead? That day is over. Some of you have been divorced and you've been mistreated and, you've been, and people lied against you and cheated on you and, and ran off and done that other stupid stuff. That's yesterday is dead and gone. Why seek you the living among the dead? Why rehash the divorce? Why rehash the issues? Hello. Ah, don't shout me down now. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. God said, why seek you the living among the dead? It was a deliverance right there. God told me today, he said, pray for deliverance. Because you keep seeking the living among the dead, you're never going to get out of mourning. You're always going to be in grieving. But if you stop seeking the living among the dead, you're going to go forward and put on the oil of joy for the spirit of heaviness. Hello, spirit of gladness and all those things. And so this is why... The two men on the road to Emmaus, all the disciples of Christ in Jerusalem, including Peter, didn't believe that something good was going to come out of this. They couldn't get it. And the two men in white apparel, I believe, told us why, is because they were seeking the living among the dead. And he said, he is not here, he's risen. Today I want to talk to you about the root of depression and hopelessness. Focusing on the wrong stuff, like what time does the game start? I promise I'll get you out of here in just a few minutes. Don't get depressed on me. Don't focus on the wrong stuff. And don't dwell on the if-onlys and the what-ifs. And stop dwelling on the I wish it had a bends. Stop seeking the living among the dead.
Back in the 15th century, a Scottish churchman by the name of Samuel Rutherford, when acknowledging the follies of his youth, he declared, I pray that bygones betwixt me and my Lord may be bygones. And I'm here to tell you there is absolutely no life in a bygone. It's dead and gone. Why seek you the living among the dead? Let it go. And the people that you love and the things that you cherished are not the bygones. The bygones are the issues that created the problem. Can you say all right with that? And all these things. So I said, well, God just won't put any more on you than you can bear. Well, whoever gave you that baloney line doesn't understand my Bible. Somebody was talking about, well, the Holy Spirit spoke through this guy. I happen to know what kind of a guy he is. I said, he don't have the same Holy Spirit I got. Because the Holy Spirit that I got will take you down the right path, not the wrong path. Remember your loved ones as precious memories. Remember the issues as bygones. Let bygones be bygones for every paracomal thing. And in closing, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, tells you the path for mourning is to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. And finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace, the God of peace shall be with you. And so I say to you today, stop falling for the prey to say, don't stop being prey to Satan the Ripper. As long as you embrace the negative bygones as forever are gones, Satan the Ripper has the right, has you right where he wants you. Short on joy, depleted of strength, and easy prey. And if you study the book of Mark, as we just have all of the other gospels about Jesus, you'll soon learn to think how he thinks. And it's not until you are proficient on thinking like he thinks, it's then and only then that you can begin to understand and operate successfully in what he wants you to do. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you see how I think and the way I do things, then you'll begin to see what heaven and all those who have already gone there and abide there, you'll see how they conduct themselves and how they think. 
That's why we've studied the book of Mark. So we can see Jesus where he says little things like, well, cast your care on me. I care for you. <laughs> or little things like, well, take no thought for tomorrow what you'll see to eat and drink. Consider the lilies of the field, how they toil, not do their spin. And Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like unto one of these. <laughs> or he says little things like, well, let not your heart be troubled. For if you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. <laughs> And then he says all the things, I will rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. <laughs> uh, think like Jesus thinks in Jesus' name. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for your word today. Oh, it's light and life and all these things. And, and thank you for the deliverance today. And while your heads are still bowed, I want to tell you what else went on during that prayer for deliverance from grieving. I had asked the Holy Spirit to let a spirit of healing flow through this building today. I think you're going to find when you leave this place that you've been touched physically by the Lord because all of a sudden we're in the presence, the communion of his word and who he is. We begin to recognize what he has done. So be blessed today. In Jesus' name, amen.